and five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz. Avery for three. Hits. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None Podcast presented by Simmons Bank. At some point, it's going to start feeling like spring outside. Here we are in mid-April, though, getting into the latter part of the month, and it still feels like it's winter sometimes. Yeah, you know, uh, Ryan Vaughn, the really good meteorologist up here in Northeast Arkansas, I saw on Sunday night, he tweeted or he posted a graphic on social media that it was 25 degrees warmer on Christmas than it was Easter. No way. I can remember his borderline shorts weather on Christmas. <laughs> I don't mind a warmer Christmas, but I definitely mind a cold April. And that's what we've seen for a good part of the month. And that's what we're seeing, at least in the early part well, of the month. Well, listen, uh, uh, but if the choice is it's just going to stay cold in April or every time it warms up, you're going to have to worry about there's a tornado or beach ball size hail or whatever i may just vote stay cold that's true now it did feel good in little rock for the two games that a state played this past week and it was a good week for arkansas state baseball and i'm really excited about talking about a good (laughs) week for a state baseball because as we all know it's been a rough stretch the 0 and 12 start to conference play and You and I have talked about this at length, but you just kept waiting for the Red Wolves to get over the hump. It finally kind of happened this past week, and they got that win, and they were able to get a win the very next day. So we'll see how everything goes going forward if the Red Wolves are able to build on this momentum in conference play. But we want to go back here and – look at this series and again it was scheduled for thursday friday saturday this is something that has taken place the last handful of years now on easter weekend you don't do the traditional friday saturday sunday look this was a little rock team that was playing some good ball they had won five straight conference games and the red wolves had to go shorthanded in this series case and tollett is out for the foreseeable future he's suffered his second concussion of the year so you're without and your number just, one yeah, catcher. The second of the baseball season, just in that short of time alone. He actually had another concussion during a car accident while he was at Arkansas. So that was here in the last year or two. And Tommy Raffo and the staff going to be extremely cautious going forward with Case and Tollett. And they're certainly not going to rush him back anytime soon. And then Daedric Kale, who's been one of the big bright spots of this team, the true freshman out of Marion, has been hitting over 300. He's been the everyday second baseman. He was not with the team in Little Rock. He was out sick. I will say Garrett Olson did a really good job filling in for Daedric Kale. He went four for nine in that series. And Going into the game Thursday, you knew you needed a good outing from Justin Medlin, and he looked like the Justin Medlin we've seen most of the season went five and a third, gave up just one earned run. When you're facing the reigning Sunbelt pitcher of the year, which the Red Wolves were the other night, and Hayden Arnold, you need your starter to keep it close. And that's exactly 
what he did. And you know, too, he was looking for a bounce back because he didn't have his best start the week before in that first game against the Cajuns. And he'd been really, really solid pretty much in every conference start other than that. So excited to see him get uh, the response he was looking for in that start against Little Rock. Yeah, you're going up against Hayden Arnold. And, you know, after five scoreless innings to begin the ball game, the Red Wolves kind of broke through after that. They tied the game with an RBI double from Ben Klutz in the sixth inning. And then in the seventh, tied at one, Jared Toller comes to the plate and he gives A-State the lead. Toller swings, hits it in the left field, a base hit. The Red Wolves take the lead. Tremel scores. Here comes Olsen. He'll score. And it's 3-1 Red Wolves. It's 5-1 to one going into the bottom of the eighth. You give up three runs in the eighth. Up 5-4, to four, you get a big insurance run in the ninth. Brandon Hager with an RBI single. To make it six to four, Little Rock gets an RBI double. They make it six to five in the bottom of the ninth. Tying runs at second, and Tyler Jeans able to get the pop out to end the game. First pitch here from Tyler swung on, popped up left side. Will French, the shortstop, calling for it in shallow left, makes the catch. And A State is back in the win count. Tyler Jeans picks up his first save. As a Red Wolf in that 6-5 to five win, Brandon Anderson, also very good out of the bullpen in this game. He went an inning and two-thirds, didn't allow a run. Tommy Raffo has talked about it over and over and over again. We've got to be better 7, 8, and 9. And finally, the Red Wolves were just that. And Kevin Wiseman figured in that, too. It just wasn't on the back end of it, right? You don't always have to bring your closer in to get – the last three outs you're going to bring them in in the highest leverage situation and that's what tommy raffo did here second and third nobody out in the eighth that's when he turned to wiseman yeah wiseman able to get those three outs in the eighth he had thrown 28 pitches in the eighth inning so that's why you turn to tyler jeans at that point in the ninth he's fresh and is able to come in and get the save so you get the win and then you go into friday and you know, after the offense had 13 hits on Thursday, they talk about it. You know, hitting's contagious. And early on in that ball game, able to get off to a good start. Five runs in the second inning. And in that second inning, I kind of want to stop and talk about this because <laughs> I, I saw something I'd never seen before. And this is something that I'm probably going to remember for a long time. And I'm sure most people at the ballpark will remember. Ben Klutz, who is really starting to pick it up again at the plate, a preseason all-conference third baseman, he comes to the plate. The Red Wolves had already scored three runs in the second inning. And the Little Rock head coach, Chris Curry, who I like a lot, by the way, and he was recruited by Tommy Raffo to Mississippi State. He and Coach Raffo have a fantastic relationship Coach Curry and Alan Dunn also have a great relationship that actually goes back to when AD was a pitching coach in the minor leagues and Chris Curry was his catcher. So they know each other very well. So there's a lot of respect between these two staffs, but Chris Curry got the attention of the home plate umpire when Ben stepped into the batter's box and he had an issue with the bat. The umpires got together, and then they went over and talked to Coach Raffo. And this is a conversation that went on a good five minutes or so. And his issue was, okay, there's an assistant coach for both teams that before the series starts, they get together 
They go through all the bats. They put a stamp of approval on all of them. And Coach Raffo's case was, hey, this bat has already been approved. Coach Curry's case was he heard there was a ringing in the bat. And I will tell you, because I actually drove back with Ben Klutz's <laughs> bats on my way back from Little Rock Saturday, there was some ringing in the bat. So it was broke. Something's rattling. There was nothing illegal going on. It was just a broken bat. After a six or seven minute delay, Ben Klutz comes to the plate with a brand new bat and... On the very first pitch, he hit a ball as far as I've ever seen him hit it. Each team goes through it together. Clutch tees off, way out of here to left. That bat works just fine. A two-run bomb for Ben Clutch. And A-State leads it five to nothing. And I'll tell you where that ball landed. So at Little Rock, Gary Hogan Field has the wall out in left field. There's a road right behind it, and then there's some houses on the other side of the road. Ben Klutz cleared the first house on the other side of the road across from the stadium. That's how far he hit that ball. And Drew Tipton, the former Red Wolf who lives in the Little Rock area, he was there at the game too, and he he said, man, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. (laughs) To see the bat taken away and then the very next pitch for Ben to hit it out of the ballpark like that was pretty cool. And obviously, yeah, shot in the arm for Ben and the, the team. So, yeah, cool scene there. And- yeah, I mean, and, and they're up 5 nothing at that point. Little Rock comes back. They get to within two. Jared Toler, though, homers in the sixth, makes it 6-3. to three. And this is how shorthanded the Red Wolves are right now. Jared Toler had never hit leadoff in his life on any level. And he hit leadoff both games, Thursday and Friday. And his mother actually was sitting right below where I was set up at. She quickly told me that he's never hit leadoff on any level in his life, but he hit the home run there to make it 6-3. to three. Will Nash had gone the first six innings on the mound. He left the game with a 6-4 to four lead. Little Rock then scores two in the eighth to tie it at six. And then in the top of the ninth, the Red Wolves take the lead back on a wild pitch. Jalen DeShazer able to come in and score from third. Kicks and fires the pitch. Misses away and it gets by. Back to the backstop. DeShazer with the head first line and home. The Red Wolves take the lead on a wild pitch. It's 7-6 A-State. So it's 7-6 to six going into the bottom of the ninth. Tyler Jeans, who had already come in to get the final two outs of the eighth inning, was back on to pitch the ninth. For the second straight day, a one-run lead. Little Rock's got the tying run at second base, and Tyler Jeans is able to end the ball game. Here it comes. Swung out and missed. He got him. Tyler Jeans closes it out. He gets the final five out of the game and the Red Wolves have won the last two and they take the series here at Gary Hogan Field. So Jeans gets the win on Friday after getting the save the day before. All season long they've been trying to find a clear role for Tyler Jeans. We've seen him in the starter role before. He actually started the season as a weekend starter but it seems like 
he's kind of found a good spot on the back end of that bullpen. And maybe that is the deal. I mean, you know, I'm a big Tyler Jeans fan, like a lot of people. You can just see the upside. Oh, it's just yeah. a matter of where to best utilize it. So maybe this is the deal. And, and obviously, he's got an arm that with enough bounce back in it that you're able to use him back-to-back nights, and he comes out of a series with a win and a save. The next day, there had been rain most of the nights, and I get to the field a couple of hours before first pitch. The team was actually waiting word whether or not we were going to play or not back at the hotel. But when I get there... I see that there's water all over the field. I see Chris Curry down on the field, and he kind of called me down. We talked for a good while, and he first explained the bat situation from the day before, saying, hey, I I wasn't accusing anybody of cheating. Just be clear that that bat was broken. And then he talked about how much he wanted to play the game that day because of what had happened the two previous days. And look, I believe that. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe that Little Rock wanted to play Saturday. I do, too. Do I believe that we should have played two the day before based on the forecast that we had you know, on hand dating back to Thursday? Yes. Now, let, let me present, because you've already talked about, you like Chris Curry. I haven't been around him, and I'm sure there's no reason not to like him. And we know how much Raffo and Coach Allen done, so just no knock on Chris Curry. But I'm going to present the other side, the, the sort of the devil's advocate side of this thing. Because before you ever left Jonesboro for the game on Thursday, you and I are talking about, is there going to be a doubleheader Friday? Because there's a lot of scheduling stuff on our end, you know, we have to deal with when parts start moving. So we're already having that conversation. As soon as you told me, you got down there, there still was no word, but you actually sent back word one time that said, they're going to make a decision after the game. Yeah. Thursday. Here's where kind of the, the I guess the more jaded side of the thought process goes. As soon as I hear they're going to make, they're going to decide after the game Thursday, what I hear is if Little Rock wins Thursday, we're playing a doubleheader Friday because I get most baseball coaches don't want to play a doubleheader, and Tommy Raffo, all you got to do is go ask him and he'll give you the percentages of how often they're split. You tend to split doubleheaders. So if you win on Thursday and play a doubleheader on Friday, and the percentages hold out and you split, you win the series. But if you lose on Thursday and you play a doubleheader Friday and the numbers hold out, you lose the series. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. It would have been the right call to play two Friday, obviously. You know, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. But based on the information we had Thursday, I think that that would have been the right thing to go ahead and do. Now, going back, Little Rock actually, here in the – very recent past had done that they had scheduled a double header for one day and then the next day the weather was fine i'm sure that was kind of in the back of their heads as well that well what if that happens again unfortunate we weren't able to complete the series however a good weekend for the red bulls well he said yeah i mean i listen i don't mind telling you because we're on the second to none podcast when i walked in the office on friday first thing i said to you is I hope A-State wins tonight and it rains its rear end off down there tomorrow. I felt good about the game Saturday, uh, yeah. and that's though, not, because and that's Little not Rock... And you weren't going to get a sweep. Might have. It was going to be a bullpen day for Little Rock on Saturday. They were going to start a guy who pitched 34 pitches out of the pen on Friday. He was going to open the game, and then it was relievers mm. the rest of the way after that. Meanwhile, we had Carter Holt scheduled 
who looked really good in his return the week before. So I, I liked the Red Wolves' chances of getting the sweep had they played in that game Saturday. How about this, though? Tommy Raffo is now 34-15 and 15 in his career against Little Rock. And he's 16-7 and seven in games played in Little Rock. A very good winning percentage against an in-state rival. Now the Red Wolves are back in the hunt for a Sunbelt Conference tournament spot. Again, there's 12 teams in the league. They need to finish in the top 10 if they want to get to Montgomery. They're still in last place after that 0-12 start, but they're 2-12 now. And you look at teams like UTA and Appalachian State, maybe ULM, you can catch them. Pass a couple of those and you'll find your way into Montgomery coming up next month. But a good step forward this past weekend the, in the Little The tough Rock. part is there's not a series with App, right? There's not. No. Yeah. That's the one team they don't play this year. Well, one like other to, thing going like on this week. Like to have traded week. them for some folks. The Sunbelt Conference Women's Golf Tournament has been going on the last couple of days in Daytona Beach, Florida. One of the most impressive student athletes at Arkansas State is on that team, and we're going to visit with her when we come back. Stay tuned. Olivia Schmidt joins us on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are pleased to be joined in studio today by a member of the A-State women's golf team, Olivia Schmidt. How are you doing, Olivia? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. And we're going to get into all your accomplishments and everything good, all the good stuff that's happening with the women's golf team right now. And there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, but we kind of want to tell your story a little bit. You're from Edmond, Oklahoma. Is that right? That's right. All right. So just outside of Oklahoma City. How'd you get into golf? When, when did that become part of your life? Yeah, so I was around five or six when I was first introduced. Uh, my parents were members at Quail Creek Country Club since I was around five, and I went to golf and tennis camp. My brother and I went, you know, my parents wanted us out of the house, and we just went and we played tennis for half the day, and then we played golf, and the head pros out there, there was three of them, and I just, I loved it. I was one of the only girls, and I love to compete and I love to be around my brother. So, and he loved it. And I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. But I played a ton of sports growing up and I didn't really get competitive until I was nine. But I was introduced through the country club and just going to camps and playing with my dad and whatnot. And how long did you keep playing other sports? I played until my senior year of high school. I played basketball and golf uh, all of high school. And when I was younger, I played soccer and softball and everything so I played sports my whole life until college is my first time ever playing one you went to a Catholic high school correct correct so you mentioned you're playing other sports but you're playing golf too when did you realize that golf was something that you could take to the next level and you could play in college you know it was really late I was about my junior or senior year of high school I was 
knew that I could play in college. I didn't know. I wasn't that good. I, I didn't think I could play. I didn't have much belief in myself. I didn't think D1 was going to be an option. I wanted to really bad. That was my dream. But I was really focused on basketball for most of my life. I loved it. The competitiveness of it, how fast it was, the teammates. It was really hard for me in golf to just be by myself and not in the slow pace of it. It was hard. But my junior year is when I was like, I'm going to try and pursue it. Basketball was, I had some options, but I knew that golf was going to take me so far in life. And that's what I wanted to do. So you, you could have played college basketball. Yeah, I played basketball my whole life. I loved it and I had some options, but none of them were really catching my eye. I went to some elite camps growing up and my senior year, I just decided that that was going to be it for me. And that was when it ended for basketball. All right. So you decide golf is the route that you want to take. Mm -hmm. Talk about the recruiting process and when was the first time you learned about Arkansas State? So the recruiting process was I was late. Like I said, I was way too late to the game. If I recommend to any other junior, it'd be to start, you know, sophomore year. But I just emailed coaches. You know, my parents were really helpful in that. And my high school basketball coach was actually very supportive. He coached at Oklahoma State for basketball for a couple of years. So he helped me learn how to email and talk to coaches. And when I first heard about Arkansas State, I actually played golf with a girl named Caitlin Milligan. She played at the University of Oklahoma. She's pro now. And her first coach was MJ. And her dad talked to MJ for me. I had no idea what Arkansas State was. I had no idea where Jonesboro was. had no idea. <laughs> and I got an email saying, Mr. Milligan reached out and We'd love to hear from you, come for an unofficial visit. And my dad was like, we're going to go. Like, why not? And I was like, you're right, why not? And I went my junior year, I took an unofficial visit and I was shocked. I'd never been, uh, I mean, I'm from Oklahoma City, so it's not too big, but we're from Edmond, but it's not too big. And that was my first time ever hearing about Arkansas State. And that was my first real like visit. And one of my only ones, actually, I took an unofficial visit, an official visit and one other visit to Drake. And that was my only visits. And a visit to McNeese State. That was all. I didn't take many. Now, were your parents sold right away, too, when they came to Jonesboro? You know, my mom only came for my official, but my dad fell in love with, obviously, Coach. She's an incredible person. And he was like, I would feel comfortable dropping you off here. And I was like, yeah, I don't know yet. (laughs) You know, I wasn't sure. I was still trying to focus on my basketball and getting through high school at the time. So he he didn't really talk to me much about it, honestly. And I ask that because I know your folks are all in now. Yeah. I remember, and I took a trip during basketball season where I flew with Dr. Danfuss, Mm -hmm. and we went over to... The women's game, which was at OU, and then later in the day flew to the men's game, which was at Illinois, and I called that game that night, but I was there at the women's game and actually met your parents there. They were actually there supporting another Red Wolves sport. They were right behind the bench and cheering for the team. Yeah. My uh, brother, I have a twin brother, he goes to the University of Oklahoma, and my dad, man, he loves the Red Wolves. He supports every sport. And man, if only all these people knew how much he loved their sport and how much he talked to me about it. He just is the best and so supportive. Tell about this brother of yours. Oh, what do you want to know? <laughs> Twin. Twin. Yeah. He's a minute older. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what all did he play? He played basketball, baseball, and football, but he just played baseball and football in high school. And then 
his freshman year of college, he went to Benedictine College in Kansas, which is where my parents both met and graduated. My dad played baseball there, and he played baseball for a year, but then decided he wanted to go to OU. No golf? No golf. Uh, He plays, like, for fun, but all growing up we played for fun, but he was never competitive with it. He's really into it now, but still has he's not very good yet. (laughs) talking about your family just a minute ago how all in they are with arkansas state but just based on a conversation we had before we even started recording today (laughs) you are a red wolf and not only right now but i can tell you're gonna stick around this program for the rest of your life yeah forever i really can't put into words how much i'm thankful for it the belief that everyone's had me here is just unmatched You know, I kind of get emotional thinking about it because I didn't always believe in myself, but MJ and Amy and Dr. Danfis, they always believed in me. Sorry. Yeah. It's (laughs) okay. People cry on the show a lot. So I'm, yeah. Mostly mostly when they're listening to it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm just so thankful and grateful for the community and the experience that I've had. It's just unbelievable and I couldn't think of a better place for me to grow. Well, that's a good answer. And people want to hear that. I mean, fans love to hear the fact that, you know, people that are representing them love the place that they're at. And and you obviously do. So you get to Arkansas State and I look at some of your your scores over the years and you just gradually got better throughout the course of your career. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to some of the stuff that's happened this past year and even going back to last year here in a minute. But when you came here as a freshman, you wrapped up with your best round of the season at the Sunbelt Championship. Yeah. So, and you finished seventh as, as a mm-hmm. true freshman. So how much did that kind of motivate you going forward? A lot. I mean, that was a big deal for me. I'd never shot under par in a tournament until, I guess when I was a senior in high school, I did. But it was, that year was big for me. You know, it was important for me to travel, but especially at conference, you know, to go end it in a way that I did and knowing that, you know, I can only get better from here. There's no getting worse. I think I'm going to put in so much hard work and I'm going to learn from the people that came before me and I'm going to use my resources and try and make the most of every opportunity I have. And that was important for me ending the year like that. Talk to me about the role coach MJ Damian Shaw plays in this because it's a sport where obviously you play it at a high level to get a chance to come here. And a lot of times it's a sport where kids have their own coaches, yep. you know, from a swing standpoint. So talk us through the, what the kind of player coach dynamic is in college golf. Yeah. So, you know, I think we have a special case. There's nobody like coach MJ. She, I mean, just hearing about other people's experiences, mine and our, my teammates has been so different. She's very present, not only on the golf course, but in our life. So we trust her with everything. I mean, I could tell her everything about my life and there's no judgment. She's going to love me regardless. And I think she's so helpful. She's so knowledgeable. She's been a swing coach. I mean, she's coached so many people. She played at the highest level in college. She is so good with course management. I mean, we have our swing coaches. I mean, I have my swing coach at home and he has helped me so much, but MJ has helped me allow myself mentally to calm down and just play the game and to have a fun time. And that no matter what you shoot or not, you're going to be great. And bad tournaments happen, good tournaments happen, but she's just 
played a huge role in the mental aspects of my life and my teammates. You said that doesn't always match up with what you hear from other yeah. players experience. Like how so? What, you know, what, how's it different from other people you talk to in yeah, other programs? I talk to people and they say that it's just not very like a family atmosphere. Like it's always based on how they play or their performance is more important most of the time and they get nervous to play bad and I don't feel that I feel very free I feel like I'm able to make mistakes not that I want to and not that she's soft I mean she's not she's gonna tell you how it is and you're gonna play well but the respect she has for you allows you want to respect her even more and I don't feel like that happens most of the time in golf you would expect a family atmosphere if you're gonna have success Mm -hmm. because you guys spend a very large amount of time together when you're traveling to these tournaments you're all together packed in a van and i'm sure you're going to spend a whole lot of time with each other so it it really helps to like each other yeah when you're traveling that much definitely i mean i'm not saying we're perfect we get on each other's nerves constantly (laughs) i mean they're like my family now you know i've spent more time with them than i have my real family in the last four years so i just feel like that's what we have going for us. That's what's special. We have great chemistry. We love each other. Whatever happens, it's always going to be okay. And we respect each other. I think that's extremely important. Oh, no. Do you watch golf? I would say, you know, I'm actually, I don't watch a lot of it. I watch the majors. I watch videos and clips, but I don't just turn on the TV and I'm like, man, I can't wait to watch some golf today. Like, not really watching much of so it. So, would you say you had a favorite golfer? Yeah, I mean, I have my favorites. I think I Are love they men or women. You know, both. I love Nelly Corda. Scotty Scheffler is becoming a new favorite. Hard not to like him. Hard not to like him. You know, my brothers Front all. Runner. Yeah, all his. He has six roommates, and all of them, most of them actually, I think all but one went to Highland Park High School. Okay, which is where Scotty oh. graduated from. I'm going to read some of the stuff that's happened this year. And we mentioned how your career has has steadily improved during your time here at Arkansas State. But uh, last year, Olivia set an A-State single-season stroke average record, 73.48. This year, you've been about a stroke and a half better, almost right at 72. But as we're recording this, you just won the Oral Roberts Spring Invite second individual medalist honor of the season for you third of your career fourth player in program history now with three or more wins you own each of the top five low 54 hole totals in program history all five marks coming in the nine regular season events this season 18 par or better rounds this season you hear all that olivia what's clicked for you and your game to take it a step further this year yeah I think it's just the combination of everything there's not one thing like I can't think of one thing that's clicked I mean yeah like I've putted better I've chipped better I've hit it better than I have ever in my life but I also it's been the stepping stone I've always I just feel like I've always gotten better each year it's never remained the same and like I show up every day and you can either get better or you can get worse there's no being consistent or stagnant in what I'm doing I always want to get one percent better every single day and I've always worked hard. That's the thing. I've I've always known it could happen. It's just finally all coming together. But I think I didn't really succeed as a junior golfer. And then to see this happen, because I've put so much work in, it's just exciting. But I don't think one thing's really clicked. I've just, it's the hard work that I've put in is just all coming to a point. You know, I've mentally worked really hard. I've focused better. I've 
worked out harder, lift heavier, ran fat, like whatever it is, I've just always put a lot of work into it. And I think that's why I'm succeeding so much right now. When you hear all those accomplishments, is that what you expected? Are you exceeding your own expectations? Yeah, I'm exceeding them by a mile. I never, I didn't even get, like, I never thought about it. I've never thought about breaking records. You know, I was talking to MJ or coach the other day on the last hole. I was like, you know, like, I've never thought about these accomplishments. I've never, like, when I hear about them or I see them on Twitter or Mark posts them, I've never thought about it. I've just always played the game to the best of my ability and I've never. That's what we have Mark for. I mean, yeah. he keeps up with I mean, that like, stuff. I wouldn't even know if it weren't for Mark. Like, I would just be like, yeah, I, mean, I, just, I shot whatever and I did this and that's cool. But I've always wanted to do that. And that's always the goal. It's just to shoot as low as I can. But even when I was a freshman, like, I didn't even know what qualifying was. Like, it didn't cross my mind. Like, I didn't show up here and was nervous like I wasn't going to play. I just always thought I was going to play. And I think that's where it started. It's just having confidence in myself, but also just, like, not knowing and just working hard and forgetting about all the other stuff. I want to ask a couple about this tournament you won as you're listening to this last week at Oral Roberts. Played 54 holes, including the last 18 and 20 to 30 mile an hour wins. Mm -hmm. And you made three bogeys all week they're all three in the first round mm -hmm. 36 back-to-back bogey-free rounds in the last round you 17 pars and a birdie to win the individual title are you better at getting out of trouble or just not getting into it i would say that's a hard question i'm pretty good not getting into it i'd say i think if i do get into it i minimize the damage as much as possible because I know that bad shots are going to happen. I'm not perfect and nobody is, but I'm just better at making sure that I commit to everything I do and that the bad shots are going to happen, but the good ones are going to be great. I mean, yesterday I was on the second hole and I drove my ball into a bunker, hit the lip of the bunker on my second shot, and then stuck it to four feet from like 150 yards. So, I mean, that stuff doesn't really happen often, but like I'm just good at minimizing my mistakes. When I do make a mistake, I don't get down. I just focus on the best way to make par bogey. And that's why I think I'm doing better. You were on my show with me as you guys are coming back from the tournament. So we've already talked about this a little bit, but you play a sport where there's no defense, right? Yeah. And so in turn, it's almost like you just don't worry. I wouldn't say don't care, but you don't worry about what anybody else is doing. For example, she beats a young lady from Oral Roberts for the individual title by a stroke, which means you know, they both part 18, which means you went to the 18th tee with a one-stroke lead. Yeah, You're playing with this young lady, mm -hmm. and you had no idea where anybody stood. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm not really focused on it. I really am not. I had no idea where she was. I actually thought, like, if I had to think, I thought she was two under at the time, so I thought she was winning. So I was really focused on shooting the best I could so our team could win. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is winning as a group. Because even though it's so much individual, it's nice that we can play together. And that's what I was focused on. And then I found out that she shot even. And I mean, she played good. She's a good player. I've played with her in the summer a lot. She played at LSU last year. So I saw her at a couple of USGA events and she she's pretty good. Again, but she, as, far as, as far as your score, though, I mean, is that something you just don't want to know yeah, at, at that point? Yeah, I don't. I usually know where I'm at. Like, I, I mean, I know if I'm like really doing poorly or I'm steady but i usually don't really again she said i found out she shot even she was playing with her 
<laughs> it wasn't like she had to get to the clubhouse and see where she. So I mean, I think it's pretty amazing, pretty interesting that, that you just go out there with blinders yeah. on. Yeah, try to. We talk about all the individual success, but the team is having historic success as well. And a couple of tournament wins this season. This 2021-22 team is all over the school record books now. But I'll give you this chance here to brag about your teammates a little bit. Oh, man. I think this is the best group I've been a part of. We've had some good teams, but we've never been able to all play like well at one time like it's always like two people play well one person plays well and that's not going to get it done like it never is you have to have four good scores and the fifth person has to play well too I mean the best part about this group is all five scores could be used it's not just like oh four people and you have to count on those four people we have it's deep we have a good group and Kayla's playing really well going into conference it couldn't be starting to happen at a better time Casey who's a transfer from Daytona State is playing incredible Elise is just so steady she can play so well at conference she's from Florida she's played this golf course a ton Charlotte freshman watch out for Charlotte she's going to be a stud she's probably gonna break every record I have so excited to see her do that and then I just think we're so good I mean I think this is our year If it's not going to happen now, I don't know when it is, but I'm just so proud of them. They're working so hard, and it's exciting to see. I'll do a little bit of what you did on Olivia's individual stuff with their team. The last four years, including this one, which is incomplete, but the last four years have been the four lowest stroke average seasons in program history, one, Mm. two, three, four, in the last four years. If you look at the low three-round totals, the top ten lowest scores in program history have all been – in the last three seasons, including this one, you know, low round, what, 12 listed on the low round. They've all happened with the exception of one in the last three seasons. So, I mean, they're on the best clip as a program they've ever been. The flip side is, now let's speak this so everybody knows, competition's probably better than it's ever been, too. If that's true, why? Why are we seeing the numbers across the board here in women's college golf get so much better? I mean, I think iron sharpens iron. I think we're playing really good teams, and that's helping us. I mean, we had, we've had we had our rough days for sure. Like, I mean, we went to Georgia State, and that was tough. But I think bouncing back from that tough tournament is just a testament to we don't really let it get in our way. We focus on ourselves. We focus on what we want to achieve, and we're not done yet, and we're so excited to go to conference. And I think we're only going to get better as the years go on. I hope that it always just continues to get better. I think I've seen that over the last three and a half years that I've been here, four years. It's just gotten better. That's a testament to the people that have come before me, and I think it just will continue to get better. I'm not really sure why, but I just think that we just want to continue to grow. We're recording this podcast uh, about a week before it actually comes out. This podcast comes out as you're playing in the Sunbelt Championships in Daytona Beach. Now you're going straight from there to Puerto Rico. What are you doing there? So me and my teammate Elise are playing in the USGA four ball. We're going to play in that. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Now, have you played in this event before? No, this is my first time qualifying for it. So I'm really excited. We're going from conference, from Florida to Puerto Rico. You've played in a USGA event before? Nope, just the qualifiers. This is my first one. So I'm pumped. It's going to be a blast. Well, it's been a blast just keeping up with everything that you've accomplished this season. 
everything that the team has accomplished. I, I do want to ask a few other things here, yeah. just fun stuff. Uh, what, what's your favorite course that My you've played? My favorite course that I've played, Flint Hills National. It's in uh, Kansas, and it's okay. unreal. The guy that made Renaissance is the one that owns it. It's an incredible place. What course would you like to play that you haven't played yet? I think probably Marion. That's always been a dream of mine to play there. I think the basket flag sticks are cool. Obviously, Augusta would be a dream. That would be insane. That's probably everyone's answer. But, I mean, on TV, it just looks so perfect. So, those are two. How many aces you have? Four. Oh, I haven't had one in a while. They were all in high school. Really? Mm-hmm. So, as in college, even in a practice, like, not, you have not hit one since you got here? Uh-uh. Hopefully soon. Yeah, Sunbelt <laughs> Championship yeah, is a good exactly. time to do that. You uh, won't know where it puts you in the standings, but it'd be cool if you did it. Yeah. Well, what's the best tip you could give to just a, a hacker like being Bobo here? Hacker? Yeah, just regular amateur yeah. golfer. What What do you see people mess up on the most that you can help them out with? If you're like, I just think chipping and putting. I mean, like, that's the most important part. If you can putt, like, you're going to be able to save so much strokes. Like my brother, like, I consider him pretty amateur. Or my dad. And I'm playing with him, and it's, like, hard to watch sometimes. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> Why can't you guys get it? <laughs> I'm like, first of all, this is taking, like, five hours to play nine holes. If you could chip and putt, we'd be done so much faster. Because, like, they don't, they're not going to always hit it straight, and that's fine. But if you can just punch out, chip it up, make a two-putt. But, like, Sam, he's over there putting, like, four times. I'm like, buddy, let's go. Did they walk to the range and just grab a driver? Yeah, that's a big one, too. Got to hit the wedges first, you know, got to warm up. Man, I'm with her on this because I'm one like the only club I'd tell you I don't flat out suck with is probably a putter. And and I was I was telling you my daughter this the other day we were watching it on TV. I was like, just go hit that club because that's the only one you're using every hole. Yeah, the driver is be this could be four or five holes you don't ever touch it. Yeah, you're using that putter every hole. Yeah, I mean I just think it's important. I think chipping and putting is important, and if you putt well and you chip well you're gonna shoot i mean like i tell i'm like bogey golf's good if you're an amateur you bogey every hole oh that's my goal yeah Yeah. bogey every hole that was my goal as a kid i was like if i bogey every hole i will be fine (laughs) do you want to not be an amateur when this is all done yeah so i'm i'm definitely gonna try i mean i think you get one opportunity to go pro and see how well you can do so that's my my goal you know I'm gonna try and then we'll see whatever I do I do think it'll be in golf whether it's coaching or a head pro at a golf course just impacting young people in a way the way that people have done for me is what I want to do so that'll be fun well this has been fun go ahead Bobo. I want one more because it's important for people to know that you've got another season you can play Mm -hmm. you've got every intention on playing that other season yep and you've already uh, we heard it in your voice what this place has meant to you yeah so what's it mean right now i mean it, look all you gotta do is open up this document and it's gonna show you that you're statistically the best player in the history of the program mm-hmm. so hey, what's that mean whenever i think about it to be honest it always comes back to like i would not be here have those records if it weren't for mj or the arkansas state athletic department for allowing me to be in this position in general. I mean, nobody really gave me the opportunity to play anywhere except for here. I mean, I had opportunities obviously to play and stuff and my freshman year, like I didn't have a lot of like, Oh, like this is, I'm going to be like the best player in Arkansas state history. Like that 
never crossed my mind, but I credit it to Arkansas State. I mean, every time I think about it, every time I talk to my family about it, it's like, I've accomplished so much here. Like, what else can I do for them? It's so important to me to give it back to them because, I mean, if I go anywhere else, like, what, like, that doesn't happen. If I, like, they just have poured so much into me and I want to give so much back to this community because that's all I can do. So if I can, the most, this is the littlest thing I can do is play well. Like, to me, that's only scratching the surface of what else I can achieve for this community and this school is playing well. Like, that's the least that I can do. I'm thankful that people appreciate that, but that's just a small portion of hopefully the impact I'm going to have here, not only on the golf course, but just in the community and the athletic department and with all the other athletes. You know, I just want people to know, like, I love it. And you're not going to find a person that loves it being a Red Wolf more than me. I promise you, I absolutely love it here. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I've told, I actually have a professor. I don't know, Dr. Lewis. Mark yeah, Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Yeah. Yep. He is one of my good friends. I'd say, you know, I eat dinner with him all the time. And he always asks, he's like, are you going to leave? And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, like I have a house here. This is my home away from Oklahoma. Dr. Danfus, he's made it home. I love it. You know, and I'm never, I don't plan on leaving post-graduation. You know, I love it here. And I just hope everyone knows that. Olivia, it uh, it's clear that you want to be here and you have definitely made an impact on the program. And it, it's uh, it's been a fun visit today. We appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank we you We couldn't be more happy for you and your success, the team's success. Brad and I are huge fans of your coach, MJ, and the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing is is really, really cool. So thanks again for coming in today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's Olivia Schmidt joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. What a great visit with Olivia Schmidt. You talk about just the whole package, getting it done on the course, just the maturity level that she has. Uh, I think just her whole perspective, big picture. You, know, you can tell she loves being at Arkansas State. She appreciates mm-hmm. the opportunity which she's been given at A State. Yeah, no entitlement there. Nothing but appreciation. And look, I mean, I understand the crowd we're talking to. You're going to pull for her no matter what because she plays for Arkansas State. But my guess is if you listen to that conversation, you're pulling for her a little harder than you even knew you would be before this podcast started some other things we want to get to how about the track and field team they just continue to roll and they were really busy this past week they were at multiple events three events in california the mount sac relays in walnut california the beach invite in long beach california and the brian clay invitational in azusa california The other meet was the War Eagle Invitational at Auburn, but all kinds of personal best and great showings in California. 
Cameron Newton-Smith sets a school record in the heptathlon. Sophie Leathers sets a new school record and wins the women's 10K at the Mount Sac Relays, which is a huge deal. And Sarah Trammell wins the women's 10K at the Brian Clay Invitational. So we had two different runners win the 10K at two different events. Hmm. Seth Waters sets the school record in the 1500. Bennett Pascoe, in the same event, has the second best time in school history. Carter Shell finishes third overall in the elite long jumping event at the Mount Sac Relays, and he was the top collegiate jump in that category. And then Imar Palmasimo finishes fifth in the hammer throw at Mount Sac and is now tops in the Sun Belt in that event. So all kinds of good stuff going down. Yeah, it's, I mean, you run out of adjectives or ways to describe what they've got going on there in that track program and it's fun to watch it's even cooler when you know that you've got you know an alum of the school and the program uh, heading that thing up so congratulations to dr coach mr jim patchell and all those great athletes talk about being in four different locations this past week well they're going to be home everybody's home this week the red wolves open is taking place friday and saturday at a state And it's part of a huge weekend on campus because not only is the Red Wolves Open going on, but the spring football game is happening. A 2.15 start time Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium. And then as far as the week ahead in baseball, the Red Wolves will be at Arkansas Tuesday at 6.30, Wednesday at 4, second straight year. Oh, that's this week? We've gone to Fayetteville. It is. Hmm. The new really hasn't worn completely off. It's still kind of strange saying we're going over there. But last year at this time, that was yeah, very new. It was. And I told, we probably have told this story on here even, but for all the things that could have seemed weird about being over there last year, and it was that single game. So you and I, I went, went together and I did my whole show over there. So it ended up basically what amounted to a three and a half hour pre-game show for a baseball game but the thing that seemed weirdest of all the only thing that almost stopped me in my tracks was leaving the press box to come back to jonesboro (laughs) and the the sports information people at arkansas going see you next year and that of all things yeah that was the thing that kind of made me do a double take say huh oh okay let's see you next year well it was just the one game scheduled last year two are scheduled for this season And as we record this, there's two scheduled. Now, Tuesday's forecast looks good. Wednesday's a a little bit iffy, so we'll see. But then the baseball team will be home this weekend. They'll try to build on the momentum from the Little Rock series when they take on Troy. Friday at 6, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 1. So with track and field, football, and baseball all at home, plenty of stuff to go out and watch this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there is an awful lot in with all the stuff you just mentioned, outdoor track and baseball and spring game and all that. But I am going to plug one non-A state event that's in the area that's bringing an awful lot of folks to town this week Yeah, to Northeast Arkansas, and that's the Play It Again Sports Jonesboro Open on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Now, believe it or not, if you're listening to this, you've never heard of this event. It's the sixth year they're having this event. And if you equate 
the really, really fast-growing sport of disc golf to what you know about, like, the PGA Tour. This is up there with uh, – somebody asked me this. matter of fact, uh, somebody in our office asked me this right before we started recording, some sort of comparison. I said, well, it, it's not a major because they've got majors, but it's a maybe like a player's championship or certainly like a, a Bay Hill or a memorial because – the Jonesboro Open's not a major championship, but it gets a major championship field. Well, there's a level of prestige to it then. Yeah, it's every one of the, the top disc golfers in the world are in Northeast Arkansas this week. All right, so that's going on. That's, uh, that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday as well. All right. So if you're a sports fan, plenty of things it's to go out It's a place to be, yeah, Northeast Arkansas this weekend. Anything you need to... Vent about here? You know, there's stuff I'd like to, but <laughs> well, come on, this is it goes what back we have because because it, I mean it just goes back. I was just thinking about you know this this part of the podcast. It just I'm just so frustrated still by where we're headed here in college sports. It just it makes me sad. It makes me mad because you know I've and you too. Even prior to coming to Arkansas State, you know we made our living in and around college sports now for going you know for 20 years basically. And it's just, it's not the same. And I'm scared it's never going to be the same again. For people to say, pick the sport, football, basketball, whatever, they say, well, I prefer the college game to the pro game. I think it's going to be a dying thought because it's all about to kind of start looking the same. I, it's very frustrating. Like I said, sad even, kind of what's going on here. And, you know, so Bobby Gross, who played at Arkansas State, mm-hmm. A-State fans know who I'm talking about. Sure. There's a lot of times in Bobby Gross's career that had the Obama mater called and said, hey, you want to come coach the team over here? He probably would have dropped what he was doing at Wynn or Brooklyn, either one, and, and to come and, and coach his alma mater. I saw Bobby Gross last week, and one of the first things he said to me was, why in the world would anybody want to coach a mid-major basketball team right now? I can't imagine the challenges that not only a Mike Bellato or a Destiny Rogers has to deal with, but anybody on that level. It's about the first thing he said to me. It's like, why? Why would he buy? Why would you want to do it? It's just you know, there's no incentive now to go in and find in high school people and and develop them because the feelings just be you're developing for somebody else. By the time they can contribute to you, they're gonna get stolen. Because we got a system now. I mean, I, I get it. I know what happened on this podcast a few weeks back, and I know what you and I think about Norshad Omir. It, it would take Norshad Omir himself looking me in my eye or to calling me and telling me hey, it really was my decision. I want to transfer. I wanted to transfer. And that's what it would take to convince me otherwise. Otherwise, in my heart of hearts, I think you had a kid, I mean, that was at a school he liked, playing for a coach he loved, and eventually just got beat down. Yeah. And that's not what this was about. That's not how this was supposed to go. I mean, it's sad that that's where we are. So now, like, if I'm a small to even mid-major AD and my basketball job comes open, I'm probably just going to go look for me somebody that's had a bunch of success as a head coach at the JUCO level. Because right now you're going to have to build your roster for it to flip every two years. You don't get to develop. You got to win right now with these with these guys. Your roster is going to flip in two years. And you got to win with those guys. The top JUCO coaches are about to become big commodities. I think. I do not disagree. Yeah, we'll see how this whole situation develops over the next couple of years will there be less people going into the portal as we go forward i think it's probably going to go down a little bit because folks are going to see that 
the grass is not always greener. And I think in more cases than not, people are going to land at schools where they were in a better situation before. So we'll see if people learn from others mistakes going forward we'll see how much you uh, we'll see if there's any amount of the toothpaste you can put back in the tube because i don't know you know people always want to say the people that are for it and, and listen i'm not i'm not against empowering the athletes a little bit i understand it and everybody was go well the coaches can leave and that's true but there's always some sort of terms no coach has got a contract where he can just quit walk away any day of the year, 365 days a year, with no repercussions, or no coach has a contract where they can just fire you today, any day of the year, 365 days a year, with no repercussions. There are terms. That's now the difference. In the transfer portal, there are no terms. It's have at it all day, every day. So, no, it, it's not like the coaches. Now the players are more empowered than the coaches. That's what it's come to. I don't want to end on a negative here, though, because, look, we just went through a great episode where we well, talked about... you ask. I tried not to get started. <laughs> if, if you don't want to run a risk of happening, don't make that part last. But we, we talked about a great week for A-State baseball. We had a fantastic visit yes. with an amazing young lady and Olivia Schmidt. Talked about all the great stuff going on with track and field and all the good stuff coming up this weekend. There is still a lot of good stuff happening at A-State and hopefully a lot more to talk about next week as well. That's right. And uh, If we recorded this, A-State's right in the middle of the Sunbelt Championship in women's golf, so there's really no sense kind of telling you where things stand now because they'll be different in a few minutes and certainly different by the time you listen to this in fact they might well be over by the time you listen to this but just i wish coach shaw and and olivia and her teammates all the luck in the world they've done a heck of a job and had a heck of a season love to see them cash that thing in with a championship we'll recap that tournament and much much more next week on our next edition of the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank